Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pancreatic Cancer Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to cut to the truth about pancreatic cancer and other complex problems, inject a burst of creativity into the field, and provide a steady stream of hope to those affected by this terrible disease. I'm your co-host, Jordan Minter. I'm also a pancreatic surgeon and a pancreatic cancer scientist at University Hospitals, Seidman Cancer Center, and the Case Comprehensive Cancer Center. I'm here with my very good friend and colleague, Jonathan. I'm Jonathan Brody. I'm at this, currently at the Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center at Jefferson University in Philadelphia. I'm a molecular biologist and my lab focuses on pancreatic cancer research. Today is a really um, special edition of the podcast and I think very timely. Um, in brief, I think for uh, clinicians out there, scientists, for um, people who are affected by this disease, patients, you know, a big question that's come up during this COVID-related era or this COVID era is um, clinical trials. And what, what is a clinical trial? So, um, Jordan, I just want to start off today. Can you, you know, really, as if you're maybe talking to one of your patients um, and explaining to them about in, being enrolled in a clinical trial, um, can you, if they ask you the question, so, you know, doctor, what is a clinical trial and what is the purpose of a clinical trial? A clinical trial, John, is a chance for us to test out an intervention or a test and the efficacy of it. It's in contrast to a retrospective study where we're not doing something actively or in an ongoing uh, way. Um, we're looking back in time and analyzing our previous results. That's a retrospective study. Prospective studies can be done too in a more passive way where we're just observing the data that we accumulate as we go forward. But a trial is actually an experiment with a study design that's approved by our institution review board. And there are many different study designs, but a clinical trial is the best way to test whether a new therapy actually works. So that's great. I mean, um, just making a very simple analogy here, um, let, let's say, you know, you're, you're a chef at a restaurant and you want to try out a new food and see if your, your patrons like that food. Um, what would be the best possible way to test that out in a similar way as that food would be a drug? So what I would do is if, if, if I'm a, a hamburger restaurant and, uh, and my staple hamburger is, is, is a, a garden variety burger with, uh, with uh, lettuce and tomato and ketchup. And I wanted to add in a new ingredient, cheese to it. And it's a special kind of cheese. What I would do is I would randomize patients um, to either the traditional hamburger or the one with the new cheese. And I would ask them to take a survey, if that was my primary endpoint, on, their, on whether or not they enjoyed it, their experience, their taste some other outcome that I'd be inter interested in. And I would measure that. And I would need to have a sample size that was a certain number to make sure that there was statistical power. That is that I could have confidence that the answer that I was seeing was actually the true answer and not a randomly, uh, a, a random answer that actually could not be guaranteed or have a high probability of being reproduced. If I did that study and it showed that more people who ate the cheeseburger were happy or found it taste their burger tasted better than those with the who ate the conventional burger, then I would be satisfied, at least with this trial, and, and interpret it that um, that my intervention was effective. 
So that's excellent, Jordan. And I, you know, that I thank you for going with that with me. I mean, I think there's two points there. One is the sample size. Um, and, and two is your point of a primary endpoint. And when we talk about clinical trials that affect, you know, game changers in medicine, we want to, the primary endpoint is usually, you know, when we talk about pancreatic cancer, overall survival, there might be a clinical benefit. Um, and there's other things that I don't want to get too specific on. So that relates to the article that we want to speak to that, you know, me and you have been talking about is, is this big COVID-19 um, trial that came out in the Lancet, um, which is a very respectable journal. Um, so just quickly speaking about this article, um, uh, let me just ask you some quick uh, questions and just give me short answers. The, the drug they're looking at is? It's even before I answer that, I just want to say, John, because this field changes so quickly. Today is May 6th. This conversation will seem old in three weeks. So let me just uh, um, preface it with that. The drug that um, was just uh, described in this clinical trial is remdesivir. It's a uh, it's a RNA polymerase um, inhibitor, um, which means that it disrupts the replication of the genetic code of the virus. Yeah, and, and you bring a good point up there, Jordan, because the reason we're bringing this up is we think this is in very good, th this has to do with our overall podcast and the mission of the podcast is to really get out the truth and use this as an example as we talk about other clinical trials that come to fruition in pancreatic cancer. Um, so that so that's the drug, and obviously it's it's to test um, in patients who are COVID nineteen positive. How many patients they roughly have? I think it was two hundred and fifty five or two or something. Yeah, it was uh, two hundred and thirty seven patients. Uh, two hundred uh, thirty seven patients in the study, roughly uh, one hundred roughly 160 in one arm and 80 in the other, two to one. And, use, and using your analogy, they basically did this clinical trials, kind of like your hamburger analogy, you know, that they randomized that every customer who came in, it was actually two to one. They would give two of the customers this special new hamburger versus one who didn't. And that was to, you know, hopefully get an advantage there. Um, we don't have to talk specifically about that. But it seemed like it was a well-controlled, um, you know, randomized trial with, you know, obviously a good question to ask, a very timely question to ask. Can you um, give us, if you will, the, the cliff notes on the study, the, the primary endpoints, and really your overall view um, about the study and why was the media so excited about it? Why, why you know, it affected the stock market and it, it, it um, basically covered most of the headlines when it came out. Absolutely. So, so, you know, again, I'm just going to reiterate a little bit of what John said. The reason why we're talking about a COVID paper on a pancreatic cancer podcast is because we are faced in the pancreatic cancer literature all the time with results from new studies. And academics and the lay press variably interpret these studies and put spins on them. And our goal is to cut to the truth. And this is a great example in a very timely way of how we can go through an exercise and um, and indicate to you that maybe we need to um, be more uh, 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 cautious at how we discuss these topics in the literature. So to answer your question, Jonathan, um, this article is the only randomized trial that has been published in a peer-reviewed journal um, uh, on this new drug remdesivir for COVID, uh, which is the SARS-CoV-2 to um, uh, virus, which is wreaking havoc around, around the world and causing this pandemic. 
there is a, it, it, it's a, the punchline is this was essentially a negative study. And I'll talk about the results in a little bit. It was done in China in 10 institutions in, a, uh, in, in the Hubei region of China. And, um, and it was published on April 29th. So uh, based on uh, today's date, that was about a week or two ago. And simultaneous, the same day that this uh, article was published in The Lancet, which is one of the premier medical journals um, that exist, uh, a announcement was made by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease that a separate randomized trial with remdesivir um, had, um, had preliminary results that were very promising, where there was a 30% reduction in time to recovery and a strong trend towards improved mortality. And it has been hailed. If you read the lay press, there are very positive statements, even up to Dr. Anthony Fauci, about the promise. He actually said there is a clear-cut benefit to this uh, to this drug. Objectively speaking, that's that cannot be truthfully claimed because that was not published in a peer-reviewed journal scrutinized by contemporaries. It hasn't been done yet. Nobody has seen the data, and in fact only half of the patients enrolled in the trial were preliminarily analyzed before the announcement was made. So I think suffice it to say, we don't know from that separate trial, which is a multi-institutional trial with many more patients, if it's positive or not. What we do know is that this trial here, published in The Lancet, was negative. This trial, which was done well, was negative, and it's very unusual for one trial to be done negative and another be negative, and another trial to be overwhelmingly positive. It might be mildly positive, if at all. Um, there was a an analogy that uh, I heard one infectious disease doctor make with the for trying to provide hope to patients um, to HIV and the history of HIV and discovery of those drugs and. What they said was that um, remdesivir may be like AZT, which was not the, the best drug initially, but it was a start and allowed the field to launch forward and develop greater drugs. I don't think that's a great analogy because in reading more about AZT, actually it was a totally different circumstance. AZT was a game changer. When they delivered a, um, studied AZT in the mid-1980s, they had to stop the trial early because it was so much more effective than the placebo group. And it was unethical to continue the trial. And then unfortunately, it took another eight years for the next FDA-approved HIV drug to be developed. So I think that that is an, an unhelpful analogy in this circumstance on, on, on multiple levels that I just communicated. We don't have eight years. And I think that in science, we need to try and be as impartial. We always come with our biases. We have to be as impartial as possible because the quickest way to, to solve the problem is to be right and to get to the truth. Sometimes the current truth that's right in front of us hurts, but to spend time trying to spin it and pursue it when we could potentially be diverting resources to other areas, while we might feel better in the short term by seeing that immediate hope, in the long term, it's more painful. And the, the quickest 
direction, the quickest path to success is to embrace the truth as objectively as you can. So, um, so the, the, the superficial analysis of this is Remdesivir is, is going to have minimal impact, in my view, on, on the COVID landscape. But the more deep um, analysis, which is, I think, important for this podcast and this audience, is we are about trying to understand the truth and, um, and we're going to challenge each other on it. Great. I'm John Brody. And I'm Jordan Winter. Thanks for joining us. Right.